Welcome to the Courage Fire Podcast, aka MFKS Radio, on the airwaves dial at 487.52. Your pod is hosted by Kelsey and Megan, who are wondering why the hospital lights are so dim. Oh my fucking god, that's incredible! Yes. Oh, the Courage Fire Pod is all about being ironically passionate to the point that you would dive into the dumpster for the things that you love. I deserve a fucking award for that. (laughs) (laughs) That was pretty good. We haven't done this in a real long time. What, two months? It's been been a while, yeah. Fuck. Um, Yes, that was my quibble about the Batman. Let's just start right into it. Um, Because I thought the movie was... Spoilers, spoilers, (laughs) spoilers. I thought the movie was brilliant. It's a Batman movie. Of course, someone ends up in the hospital. Um... But I was, it, it bothered me to the point that I like made a note of it in my head to mention it to Riva afterwards, that it was really right. dumb, that yes, I understand the sort of aesthetic of the film, but why in most of these like DC films are police precincts and hospitals so dim? Yeah, I know. But these are it's normal ridiculous. average workplaces that have nothing to do with like the superhero stuff. It's and- about tone. Yeah, but, like, you can still have that sort of somber tone in the hospital without me having to squint to figure out where we are, you know? Oh, you mean for when Alfred was in the hospital? Yes. It just, it it, okay. it, it aggravated me because I was like, there's no reason for the hospital lights to be dim. Yes, very true. Regardless of it being, like, nighttime or whatever. Um, yeah, I'm not asking it for you to be, like, daylight bright in there. Because yeah. it's nighttime, but just like a normally lit hospital with like, I don't know, the normal colors that you would see in like hospital curtains and stuff like that, you know? Not these like dark grays. <laughs> but you see, Gotham is so corrupt, Megan. You don't understand. It's all the way to the top and all the way to the bottom. <laughs> But it has nothing to do with, like, the health, with, like, the paramedics or the firefighters. It's just the police and the politicians. That's not what fucking Riddler wants you to think. That's for <laughs> sure. Um, anyway, great movie. Loved it. Other quibble, though, was the Rorschach narration at the beginning and the end. Oh, only, my God. Only I because know. it sounded exactly like fucking Rorschach. It sounded exactly like Rorschach. And it made me fucking nuts and i was like what is the point of this at the start i was like okay is this the riddler or is this batman like who Mm -hmm. whose perspective are we supposed to be gleaning now because doesn't it start while the riddler is casing out the mayor yeah yeah that's what i thought but yeah, I was I was aggravated by it to the point that when I got home, I actually started Watchmen again just to hear the tone of Rorschach's like <laughs> opening narration, and I was like, "Could you have not have like done something different?" Because it was identical in tone. Yeah, totally. Other than that, though, great film, loved it. <laughs> like legit, loved it. I told you, you were so surprised when I had a positive review. Yeah, because everything except for like a couple people by at that point were like, eh, I mean, it was fine, but blah, 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 blah. No one had any like unanimous good things to say about it. And so I went into it like expecting to enjoy it, but not love it. And I, it was great. What I agree, it was great. What I appreciated about it was it, ah, fuck. I just realized I have the baby monitor upstairs. It's fine. Um, what I did like about it is how they went with 
a slightly altered origin story. Yes. And also, <sighs> had enough sort of established that you didn't need to be like, oh, how does Batman become Batman? It's like, okay, well, he's already been doing it. He's known to the police. Yada, yada, yada. Like, that relationship is already established. Let's get into what that relationship is, why it's important, how it's going to be challenged by, you know, whatever circumstances this is, blah, 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 blah. I yeah, and and is that. flashback origin stuff where he, from his childhood or whatever, was just enough yeah. to, like, remind us, but without having to sort of smack us in the face with it. Totally. And other than like the very end of the film, it's not really that relevant. Like the, I mean like his personal story as to why he came Batman, not necessarily like what his family was up to. Although I did super, (laughs) now that I'm thinking about, I'm like, wow, I want a movie about Martha being an absolute cuckoo. (laughs) Oh, me too. Like, what was that? Like, I kind of do want more of what was going on there. Well, and I liked the political sort of implications of his father, too, that it wasn't just that he was a doctor and sort of, you know, that there was sort of that that sort of tie to that corruption, Mm -hmm. which I kind of liked that bit. And in the end, it turned out that, like... Bruce is really heartbroken by the fact that, you know, his father was corrupt too. And it's like, okay, well, okay, Bruce, you beat people up at nighttime, but let's calm down a little bit. But that he sort of, what's the best way to phrase this? He approached that corruption in order to protect his family. You know what I mean? It wasn't for like personal gain so much as it was like to protect the loved ones yeah and to protect that legacy and to protect the thing that he sort of believed to be true yeah Um, oh i'm talking about the dad but but even still like that sort of that notion that like you know he's yeah protecting his family and protecting the legacy like for his son and sort of what is there yeah um and also trying to hide I'm taking this wife. money to become mayor. That's, like, not what it was about. Yeah. And, 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 yeah, and trying to, like, you know, maintain his wife's reputation and all of those things that sort of um, go with that public-facing persona. Absolutely. Um, Can you answer a debate that myself and another couple who saw the film... We're discussing when yeah, absolutely. when Bruce Wayne and the Riddler are talking in, I can't remember if it's the sanitarium or the jail. I think it's the sanitarium. But when they're having their face-to-face. Yeah. And he addresses Bruce Wayne. Yeah. So my thought was, oh, the Riddler knows that Batman is Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. Everyone else I talked to said, no, that's him just naming aloud 
the person who he thought was like the one I didn't get. Yes, I, that's Riva and I talked about that quite extensively afterwards, and we came to that conclusion that like when you're and the way that it sets it up when they're in his apartment, you kind of you feel like he knows that it's Bruce Wayne. Yeah, because he's got Bruce's picture up and about eight hundred thousand times on that little like uh, madness wall. But um, yeah, he's like a Twilight fan, circa two thousand four. Yeah, absolutely. So maybe that's all it is, right? Or he's just like I don't know saw Bruce Wayne shirtless one time and was like yes I like that one I don't know who knows um but no we talked about that a lot and I think that he the they led us to believe that he knew and so Bruce was obviously like shit what do I do and then when he gets there he realizes that the Riddler doesn't know that Bruce Wayne is Batman the Riddler thinks that he and Batman are working together Okay. And they're okay. both in that gotcha. persona where whoever is behind the mask is like unimportant. Right. That was my that was my understanding of it anyway. Like that's how I interpreted it. I haven't talked about it with uh anybody else who's watched it, so I don't know what other people would think. Um but that was my notion cuz they wanted us to believe that the Riddler knew. Yeah. But then it was quite clear that he didn't. My, which is interesting because it doesn't seem like, it doesn't seem like there's much to lay at Bruce's feet in terms of him being an enemy of the Riddler. Like, he may have benefited from corruption in a sense, but it's not like he's, It's not like he's, you know, the man about town gallivanting off of the money of Wayne en- Enterprises to- sort of thing. Like like some of the other people the Riddler seemed to target because they were so um, not blatantly corrupt, but showing a face that wasn't their true face. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can't quite figure out what I'm trying to say. Um, but I couldn't quite pare down why Bruce was such a target for him. I think just because Bruce represents that, like, you know, elite sort of whatever. Regardless of implicit crimes. Yes. Interesting. Well, because when he shows up there at the funeral, right, at the memorial for... Was it the mayor? Like, I... Okay, here's another quibble that I had. I did feel at parts. As soon as I just said that, I was like, right, that was another thing I wanted to talk about. I did feel that some of the things that happened at the beginning of the movie happened so long before the end of the movie that they weren't even relevant anymore. Like the killing of the mayor? Yeah, like I felt like some of that stuff, it just, there was so much stuff in between and everything moved so slowly, which was a very cool stylistic sort of thing. But I felt like by the time we got to the end that like the the mayor being killed happened so long ago, long yeah. before that, that it wasn't important anymore. Yeah. I also found, too, that they could have cut out approximately four to 70 minutes of long brooding stares. <laughs> and not just cut them out completely, but cut them down by half. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. So anyway, but yeah, so when he goes to the memorial service. And he gets out of his car and everyone's kind of surprised that he's there. 
Mm-hmm. Which sort of tells you, like, you're like about him not being that sort of socialite figure that, yeah. you know, the the other Bruce Waynes that we've encountered have been. Um, that it, like, got him out of his house, essentially. Which, of course, people don't know that he's out of his house, like, every night beating people up. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, I felt like I thought that was an interesting choice because like obviously people know who he is, but he doesn't have that same like notoriety maybe. Yeah, or even like social cachet almost like he's more what I appreciated about that is he was such a sort of elusive figure as Bruce Wayne that you see the different reactions from the exact same cops between Batman and Bruce Wayne. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they do it a number of times. And I think the second or third time I actually laughed because the guy like looked up at Bruce Wayne as if he was like a fucking god. And yeah. then Batman shows up and he's like, what the fuck are you doing here? Get out of here, you creep. <laughs> I really enjoyed that dynamic they played it's with. True. It's true. Yeah, and it was good. And I enjoyed that they like, you know, despite it being dark and sort of everything kind of broody, there were like light moments of levity. Like there were lines that I laughed out loud at. Um, not like raucous laughter, but that I chuckled at because I was like, yes, well done. And I do enjoy that they maintained how Batman just disappears. I, that's totally. like one of my favorite things. I don't know if it's a gag at this point. It kind of feels like it is. But like, it's so funny that he's just like, there's no possible way he can be silent. He can't fly. Okay, well, he's this got these motherfucker. Big giant, he's got these big, giant, yeah. heavy fucking boots. Like, there's these no huge way. huge ass lesbian <laughs> boot, leather boots. Right? And, like, and this cape and, like, you know, Kevlar on steroids as body armor. There's no possible way that he can walk out of a room silently. No. Well, fucking half of the atmospheric tension in the first 30 minutes of the film is the thick thuds of his boots as he walks. Was he wearing fucking removable tap shoes? Like, get out of here. <laughs> but yeah, I just, but I like that they've kept that part of the, the sort of, you know, wider Batman mythology, because I think that's very fun. Yes, I do too. Um... No, it was, and I'm obviously they're setting up for more, which is great, and I hope that there are more, because I did yes. really enjoy this whole universe. I think, yeah, like it'll, I would watch more of that for sure. I really, really enjoyed. It. I think all the casting was excellent. It was really nice to see. <sighs> It was really nice to see a little bit more diversity in the casting for Batman, which isn't always there, mm-hmm. but also that it was main people and not, you know, Lucius Fox or whatever. But I just didn't buy, this is going to sound terrible, I did not buy Andy Circus as Alfred. <laughs> no, me neither, because I was expecting Andy Circus to turn into like a terrorist. Yes. Because, he's or some just, kind of real fucking weirdo, because he's played, like... He's always fucking weirdos. Yeah. He's always weirdos. Yeah. And it was so hard to believe that he was just, you know... Well, the last thing I saw him in live action was Black Panther. Exactly. Where he, fucking like, Claw. Yeah, which, like, he was great in that. 
Um, and he was fine as Alfred, but yeah, I didn't, didn't quite like, wasn't quite fully on board, I don't think. No, and it was to the point where they, I also feel like they didn't really establish the relationship between Alfred and Batman to the point that when Alfred is opening up, opening up the mail bomb, I was like, all right. Like, I didn't, I wasn't like, oh no, Alfred, don't open it. Like, there wasn't, there wasn't that tension for me. But I did enjoy how, how they released that tension was actually it's already happened. Yes, instead of like racing to get there or, yeah. Yeah, that was a nice, cruel twist that I Well, especially because where he's sitting there looking at this package and whatever and the fucking phone is ringing. And it's like, God damn it, Alfred, go do your fucking job. (laughs) Answer the fucking phone. One of your two jobs. Christ. And then you realize why. I was like, oh, that was very clever. How did you feel about the very gothic Batman Returns-esque look of Wayne Manor? Friggin' hated it. I was like, are you really? living in a church? I didn't understand. Interesting. Yeah, I like, there's parts about it that I think were fine, but it, it looked too much like the interior of a church. Which was then highlighted when he went to the church. Yes. And I was like, ah, what are you doing? Like, I understand you're in the tower and whatever, and that's fine. Uh, But I like, you know, that people know where Bruce Wayne lives. Yeah. He's not, like, out in hiding or whatever, you know? But, like, yeah, I just, I felt like some of the, some of, like, the architectural choices on the inside, I was like, "Mm, I don't think that would be feasible. And yes, you're a billionaire, but, like, it must be a bitch to heat that, was sort of my thought. <laughs> I was like, how do you, like, how is that comfortable in any capacity whatsoever? All these, like, fucking vaulted ceilings, just a, a massive waste of space. Yes. And then his, like, fucking garbage garage way down in the basement. Yeah, like, ridiculous. So ridiculous. I did enjoy how the the tech of this one was quite low <laughs> it was like yeah like it didn't have that like that that like r&d feel of the nolan ones which i also liked and i liked I like the tumbler and all those things in the nolan ones very much but, because like, it liked- made more sense other than batman's you know world's greatest detective whatever the fuck and also yeah you know, software engineer and technology master and blank and blank and blank. Yeah. This is kind of nitty gritty when he's not pe- beating people up. He's tooling around on an engine and garage. I quite enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. And I also like, like the, the Batmobile was just like a souped up like Corvette. Yes. <laughs> totally. like, I, I did it's just enjoy a car. It. Yeah. I did enjoy that. Um, they leaned real heavy on the motorcycle thing and like how he gets to places, which I did enjoy because in all the other Batman, everything like Batman gets to the crime scenes in the Batmobile and then it's like a whole thing. Whereas this, he like somehow stuffs his entire suit into that backpack. Excuse me. How? Um, Yeah. And then to talk about this fucking bag of holding he has. Is it like the, what is the bag that Hermione has in the Harry Potter's? Oh, just her pink beaded bag. There's no name for it. But isn't it, doesn't it have like a million things in it? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it, that's what it kind of made me feel like. I was like, totally. there's no possible way. Like, the cape, sure. Maybe the boots, possibly the cowl. The body armor, no. There's no way that body armor's fitting into that, like, standard size backpack. No, but also, how much of it can he wear as just, like, you know, biker gear? True. Not sure. Which just reminds me of fucking... <laughs> super troopers when they show up to the date in different biker gear and it's <laughs> totally fucked up God, I love that movie. you know what we should do a we watch of one- super troopers absolutely 100 percent. i haven't seen that movie in so long yeah me neither although today i said the word shenanigans and i immediately thought of that scene um Ugh, brian cox what a guy so i'm gonna pistol whip the next guy who says shenanigans Oh my god. What a guy. That's so funny. And every time at work someone says shenanigans, everybody, everyone that I work with who's seen the movie just kind of chuckles. Like, we never really address it. We just all kind of chuckle and move on. And there's, yeah. like, one guy who's not seen the movie and we've never explained the joke. It seems like there's a... We're really veering away from Batman right now, but it seems like there's a certain age group that Super Troopers fits into. Yes, and if you're under that age group, you're you've yeah, you just have. I say if you're under thirty, it's a no go. More, I think more or less. I think that that's about right. But anyway, um, I really so Kravitz. Hello, she was incredible. Here's but like okay, she's obviously (laughs) coming back in the next, maybe not the next installment, but she's gonna come back, and somehow as Selena Kyle is going to fall in love with Bruce Wayne. That's clearly how this is going to happen. Well, it seems like it's already begun. She yeah, begs him. Yeah, but she doesn't know who he is, right? And so, like, but she's, like, as the person is going to fall in love oh, with Oh, I person. see what you mean. I see what you And mean. then they're going to be mortal enemies, and one of them, probably her, is going to end up dying. But he already knows her name, her it's not gonna. Well, he's not going to kill her. No, but I like, mean in terms of, like, them falling in love with each other. Yeah, I think yeah, no. what's more likely is they'll do the, like, I can't, I can't, I'm too brooding. Blah, it'll blah, be like blah, that, blah, it'll blah. be like the Batman Forever where it's, like, you know, or whatever, where they just, like, try so hard to avoid their attraction to one another. Um, yeah, I don't know. But, yeah, I liked her. She was great. Um, I thought... I what I one of the things actually I really loved one of the choices they made was her wigs, loved it. Yes, freaking loved, loved it. all her wigs. Because uh, it, it like it did two things. It was sort of like here's a way that she's able to ch- kind of change who she is and change her identity, but it also very much normalized people wearing wigs, for just like and, yeah. Also puts her right in the league of Bruce as being someone who chameleon like flits between like different social classes all the time yeah yeah but also normalize wearing wigs she looks fucking great in them (laughs) she really does um the first shot of her walking up i was like oh lordy yeah she is just something else yeah she was she was great and i enjoyed the, the like twist i guess of like how she's involved in all of it I thought that yeah. was an interesting choice, like, just to give her a reason sort of for being part of it. Mm-hmm. Without giving too much backstory again. Didn't spend a lot of time on the backstory, which is nice. Well, and also to deviate her from being, you know, just a 
sort of common jewel thief or whatever. Like everyone in this film seems to have a specific motive for doing the things that either Batman forces them into or they force him into. Like she's like, I found the guy. I'm going to kill him. And he's like, wait for me. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I was like, okay, so you're just going to wait for your sort of boyfriend to show up and then you guys are going to kill this guy together? (laughs) That's what you do on your nights out, Catwoman? Okay. (laughs) You know what? Whatever whatever works, right? Like, who are we to judge? You're right. It's 2022. Yeah. Question. Yes, 2022. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, yeah, it was an oh, yeah, it was cool. And I also really liked the look of the film. Yes. I really liked like the except for in the hospital, but I like the aesthetic of all of the shadow and the silhouette and a lot of that. Um, I thought when they were like up on top of whatever building that is that the bat signals on, like standing there in silhouette was just like it was gorgeous. So gorgeous, a lot of gorgeous like very symmetrical shit in this movie. But also, I really liked the perspectives during the car chase scene. With the camera, like, mm-hmm. on the car, looking up at the people driving and then looking down at the car moving. Like, there's very few wide shots. It's so personal and it's so in your face. During that whole scene, my toes were, like, clenched so hard. Mm-hmm. I had to, like, force them to react or to relax. Same with, like, every time Riddler made one of his fucking videos. I was like, oh, no, here we go. Mm-hmm. but i appreciated that it was like fucking creepy it was it absolutely was it was a nice change from you know i there's high stakes in the nolan's movies but for very little of it well i was i was like whoa like what the fuck what is that or like cringing because a visual or something you don't see is so disgusting. So that was a nice change tonally as well. Yeah, it was good. I and mean, it was nice to have like, it's just nice to have like a different take on it in a way that like isn't, uh, that doesn't involve Ben Affleck. <laughs> also, right? Because like <laughs> having watched like Batman vs. Superman, like the Batfleck parts of things, which I'm sure he'll be back if there's ever another like, Oh, no, he said he's done forever. Oh, good. Um, Does it mean he's done acting or just Batman? Oh, well, one can hope. Um, But, like, I can appreciate what they were trying to do with him. They just didn't do it well. I don't think they were trying to do anything with those. No, movies. no, no. I just think I just think that like old that that like old grizzled like grumpy angry Batman, you know, um, who's kind of like sort of done with all of the shit. I think Ben Affleck's the perfect guy to play that. And I think what they did here and what the kind of Batman that they were trying to portray, I think they did a really good job, um, with the casting. And I would say this is my hot take. I think Robert Pattinson might be the best Batman, but I think Christian Bale is still the best Bruce Wayne. Oh, uh, yes, I agree. 
Because, like, I agree. because I do think, and as much as it was nice to not have, ba- like, Bruce is that, like, socialite sort of out and about in public kind of thing. Yeah. I, that's a huge part of the character, where he is yeah. charming and he is, you know, like, he is out there and women are falling at their feet because it's Bruce Wayne and, like, all of this kind of stuff. And I think that's an important part of that whole characterization. And it's not that they missed it, because I think they did a fine job, but I think that Christian Bale plays, like, played that really well. Yeah, they also uh, emphasize that in those films where in this one it's like he doesn't have the fucking time to be that guy. He's also like an introvert. Like, let's be honest here. He's just like a recluse. Totally. Um, Who stares longingly at little boys and then saves them from a horrific car accident. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, so that was what Reva and I were discussing after as well, that... Uh, that Christian Bale sort of embodies that Bruce Wayne persona just that little bit better. Because, like, the thing is, Robert Pattinson in no way could have ever delivered that line in The Dark Knight where Bruce calls to, like, join the tables together and Harvey's like, no, no, and he's like, it's okay, I own the place. There's Robert Pattinson couldn't have done that. There's no way um, in that right, in that same way. But you know why? It's because Christian Bale was the American psycho. That was Man. all the training he required. It's, that is very possible. That is very possible. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, it was an enjoyable. It was an enjoyable two and a half hours. Like I really did like it. I did um, too. I'd like to see it again. I really enjoyed. At the end, when he's very much like ready to give up on everything, and mm-hmm. yet society is like clinging to him and like seeing him as hope and he seeing the citizens of gotham is full of hope and like worth fighting for and i was like oh look at you yeah (laughs) that's what we call growth also did you notice i'm sure you did maybe i noticed it in the film and it was like wait a second that his like batman theme was the imperial march with some notes missing fuck off yeah because we we both like after it was done i was like okay you you picked that out too right she's like yeah I'm like that like it's fine but i was also like there's so many other combinations you could have chosen did it have to sound like the imperial march who did the score on this fuck oh i don't know not han it was not han zimmer and you it know was what not han zimmer you know why because i could hear the words while the music was playing Hey, how dare you? That's actually um, a Nolan thing. I don't think that's Hans. Yeah, no, Hans Zimmer just does great. Like, Hans Zimmer did, like, The Lion King, so no. <laughs> he, he's fine. <laughs> um, and his and if you listen to, like, the stuff, even from, the like, the Batman trilogy, on its own, just, like, separate from the film, it's phenomenal. Oh, totally. Um, Hans is amazing. Um, What am I looking for here? Who did the score? If it's Michael Giacchino, I'm going to lose my shit. (laughs) Uh, I'm just going to... Let me find out here. Yeah, it is! Fuck off! How did you know? It just felt like a very Abram score. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's... Oh, also, apparently, he's doing the music for the next Thor movie, so... Um, already that's like down which it's gonna be a great movie i'm sure but like already i'm disappointed i just can't believe we haven't seen any footage from that thing yet not even like a 
I know. Sneak peek or nothing. Um, I know. Oh my god, we gotta move on. It's been 30 minutes of Batman, Megan. Okay, so we have lots that we want to talk about because there's been so many things. Do we want to talk? Let's go, let's talk about Bridgerton, I think. Yes, thank God. It's lighter. And then we'll go into the, like, murder and mayhem. Yes. And just absolute despondency of The Last Kingdom. Yes. Okay. So first of all, let's talk about how Bridgerton is so fucking watchable. I did this in one and a half days, all the episodes after taking, what did you say? Four weeks to watch. Three weeks. Three weeks. Three weeks to watch 10 episodes of The Last Kingdom. (laughs) Yeah. And then she literally started Bridgerton like the day she finished The Last Kingdom and just like main, absolutely mainlined it. And I was like, proud of you. Also, don't you have a baby to worry about? (laughs) <laughs> I do, but the great thing about Bridgerton is that in each episode, not a lot happens. That's so true. So I can keep it on in the background while I'm feeding Maxie or feeding myself or cleaning up his fucking toys for the 90th time in a yeah, day. Yeah, that is true. And it's like, all I really need to do is kind of listen and that's enough. Whereas on Last Kingdom, you really have to pay attention because they're squishing fucking what? two books into a season yeah so oh, it's just there's and yeah, like two it's so books dense. with a lot of things going yes on. it's so dense like okay, you really so bridgerton. have to pay attention yes bridgerton. let's talk about bridgerton because it was uh this second season again spoilers i guess it's spoilers for the whole episode we're not warning you anymore um the second book in the the series or whatever is about anthony the oldest brother and yes. In the first season of the show, I've not read the books. I don't know. Have you read the books? No, I have not. Okay, so I don't know what he's like in the books, but in the first season of the show, he's an absolute rake. He's very unlikable for so many reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you find out why in this season, why he is the way that he is, and so many things just make sense. And it's actually one of those things that's like almost like it's justifiable. It's not just like, oh, here's why he was such a jerk. It's like, oh, okay, like I get this. Yeah. And it makes and, sense. Yeah, to me. exactly. It's not just an easy answer of like, oh, he's a jerk. It's like, no, he's actually <laughs> lived through a shit ton of trauma and had to go from being what, like a fifteen year old kid to fucking Lord Bridgerton or whatever. Mm-hmm. No, Viscount. Viscount. Viscount Bridgerton, yes. And it humanizes him so much after he was such a dick to Daphne and, like, just tried to undermine so many of her decisions in season one by being like, it's my decision to make. And I'm like, oh, no, okay, I get why. It's because literally no one in your family could help you, so you had to do all of this shit from a very young age. Heartbreaking. Well, absolutely. And like, yeah. And so he's, yeah, he was sort of thrust into this because his father is, dies of anaphylactic shock, like from anaphylaxis ultimately, um, Mm -hmm. because he gets stung by a bee and Anthony sees this happen and like can't do anything. Basically, like there's nothing that, that can be done. And so all of a sudden, because he's the oldest, yeah, he's just like thrust into this world of responsibility and it's his job to keep the family together because that's his job yeah and that's the expectation of a regency era lordling essentially like there's Mm -hmm. no other 
There's no other thing that's always going to be his job. And he kind of lords that over um, Colin and Benedict this season, which I didn't really appreciate because even after he finally has his breakdown and cries, and I'm like, oh my God, Anthony, it's been like 15 years since your dad died and you haven't cried. But Uh after he has that breakdown and... (laughs) allows himself to be loved like every fucking high-powered female in any novel or movie circa 2000 Uh the the infuriating part of it is he continues to do that to them like it leaks that he paid for benedict spot at the royal academy yeah. And that Colin took out a long, large sum of money and didn't tell anybody, and he gives him shit for that. And it's like, well, I'm sorry, but you have created this atmosphere of people resenting you. Yeah. Good yeah. lord. And and but he in in that way, like he likes to feel important, right? Like and remind people that like he's kind of calling the shots. Yeah. Um. And so when he ends up in this like dumb fucking entanglement with like <laughs> like it's so stupid it's like so stupid from the outset there is no possible way that edwina was going to be the right person for him no like there you just knew and obviously they set it up so that like we would be like oh there's chemistry with the sister what's the sister's deal she was what 26 and she's a fucking spinster which i love um mm-hmm. more spinsters on the show please and thank you Absolutely. Um, well is coming right up uh oh absolutely yeah for sure um, but yeah, so like, yeah, I didn't enjoy that. And I didn't enjoy that he like proposed to her. No. And that's the thing that was so frustrating about it is because he witnessed, he witnessed and idealized this beautiful, true love match between his mom and his dad. He's seen it with Daphne and Simon Like, he, it's not like he's a fucking dullard, but he just won't fucking let it happen to himself. He says he's abandoned the idea of it. Yeah. It's like, why? You haven't, this is your first season of the Tawn deciding that you're looking for a wife. Like, you've already given up. Yeah. Which is one of the reasons why I think, and I understand that they tried to get him to come back. Um, for an episode or two and he said no but like it would have been great if simon had been in an episode yeah. or two just because they're like, friends from before and be up. like and be like buddy like it's possible you can find happiness yeah look what happened to me totally um and so like because i read something that they had like offered uh they had, they had offered him like to come back for like three episodes at fifty thousand bucks a piece wow and he was I like think he's nah. just fucking busy yeah and that's ultimately what it, it was more like it wasn't so much that he di- didn't like was definitely shutting the door on it but it was just like he didn't have the time yeah. um but i do wish well, even, even daphne if, was barely in it or even if there had been like a letter from simon mm-hmm. you know something that like daphne gives to her brother or whatever just like just to have that like you know here's from a friend who legitimately like the year before or whatever had been through this yes and to be like, you know, yes, I know that you have all of this responsibility and the legacy and the family name and this and this and this, but like, just he's try. like, I have that too. Like Simon dealt with all that same shit by himself, and he with had no other siblings. reasons for not wanting. No, but he had other reasons for not wanting 
to yeah. have a love match. He was not looking for a wife. It was declared like he he had all of that trauma and horseshit too. It just manifested itself in a slightly different way. Yeah. So I do wish that like that Simon had been there just for that reason. But what I absolutely loved about this season is it was just like all about longing. That's all it was mm-hmm. for episodes and episodes and episodes of just like almost. It was great. Oh, it was so, I was like, where is the boning? Where is it? But like almost, it was, I don't want to say it was, it was like unnecessary, but it kind of was because they built that tension so well through seven episodes, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then even at the end of seven, it wasn't quite resolved. No, God. Right? Like, no. It, was, it wasn't quite resolved at the end of seven. And so, like, I did enjoy, like, the only boning we got in the first seven, well, six and a half episodes was Benedict. And also Anthony, well, I guess with just an assort, assortment of prostitutes. But yeah. Major but like nothing, buns. Yeah. Major bun shots, which was great. Yeah. Yeah, it was, that part was really good. And, and like, the I feel like the tone of the season was different because obviously it's focusing on his story instead of on Daphne's story. Uh, and so, like, there were just some certain things and just the way it was shot and the way it was put together and the music choices and whatever. Like, it still feels like the same show, but it wasn't the same show. <sighs> Can we talk about Eloise and Penelope, please? Absolutely we can. I am still unsure how I feel about the end of the episode and the end of the season with their relationship. So I was talking to a friend of mine who's read the books and she said that Eloise is actually like the last of almost everyone to find out that Penelope is whistled up. Really? And it happens quite a lot later on. Yeah, I heard she finds out when it's um, Colin's turn. Yes, because in the books, Colin and Penelope get married eventually. Well, they should. Of course they should. Colin's being such a fucking dick. Of course, of course. Um, And so I think my thought is, and this is what what my friend Jill and I were talking about the other day, it's just the way that they've sort of shifted. She was talking about some of the other stuff that they've shifted from around in the books and stuff because some of the other ones kind of take place simultaneously. Right. They're not necess- it's not like necessarily an eight year thing. Like I think she said that like Benedict's and Colin's kind of take place and Colin. Yeah. at the same time and Eloise is sort of like stuck in there as well. Um, Can I just say I'm so unsurprised that Jill has read these books. Oh yeah, she loves them. <laughs> loves them. And that's great. Um and she's like, you could knock one off in a day. And I'm like, I'm sure I could, but that's eight books. That's still a commitment. Mm-hmm. Um, so my thought is, based on some of the stuff that she said that they did shift around, is that potentially for like the next season, they might not tell just one story. It might be sort of an amalgam, the way that the books are kind of simultaneous. Uh, so we might get a little bit more. And that's maybe why it made sense to make that reveal now. Sure. I think it makes sense to have Benedict and Colin dealt with in the same season because there's really not enough there in terms of character for them to have like a full eight episodes there's no way yes i agree um but yeah so that's sort of my that was my thought just kind of based on what jill had to say about how some of the stuff in the books goes she's like i'm gonna spoil it for you i'm like i honestly don't care um like it's fine But but to bring it back to penelope and eloise 
Penelope was really on a high horse this season. She was, big time. Big time. But Eloise said something that I think to her was a true revelation, but for me, I was still like, okay, you're still not doing this, is at the end when Penelope's like, oh, blah, 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 did you hear someone fucked in a closet for 20 minutes or some shit? And Eloise, like, looks to her like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. And has that realization. And then when she confronts her, she's like, I finally heard you. I wasn't just listening. I heard you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, you didn't. Because you're still doing this. Like, you are... Eloise is so self-obsessed. She is one of the worst woke people. (laughs) She is like a 2022 Instagram woke activist. Do you agree? She, no, she's, no, she's not an Instagram woke activist. She's an Instagram influencer. She's not an activist. She's She's pretending to be one. Okay, so what is she trying to get out of this pretending then? Other than, I think I think that for her ultimately, I don't think she wants to get married. Like, or not not that she doesn't want to get married. I don't think that's true because she definitely had some feelings for the boy at the printing press. Yeah. Um, and like many feelings, and was heartbroken, and that made me quite sad. Um, but I think for her is she wants to be seen by her family at the very least as independent ish. And that she right. doesn't like she doesn't want to be part of this whole thing because she finds it to be kind of nonsense. Um, and well, in the same course. way that that Anthony sort of idealized that like love match, I think she does too. She just doesn't want to admit it. So that's why she's like, <sighs> she's just like she's just the worst person to have at a party because she would be like, you know. <laughs> The remix to Ignition would play and she would be like, we need to change the song. This man's a rapist. Yes, absolutely. She would be, um, but she, but yeah, but like her feed would be cultivated by somebody else. So that's why she's like that sort of like influencer, not like fake sort of activist. Although when she did say the thing about the baby, she's like, do you want to come see the baby? Like, why has he changed? Oh my God. I laughed so hard. I was just like, yeah, that's, that's fair. (laughs) Um, because yeah, I get, but I think like she, I think she wants, I think she wants that like grand love, right? But, but I don't. But she I... doesn't. But she doesn't want to admit it because she's come across this whole, this whole time, her whole like youth, right? As sort of this. Well, I don't want to care about any of these things. Sure, but that doesn't mean that it's just like Anthony. Like Anthony cares deeply about these things for his family. But it's not about the things itself. It's about what the impact will be on his family. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand why these children of <laughs> parents who had this legendary true love are so hesitant to find it for themselves. Well, because their dad died. So that doesn't but mean he, that but, love is impossible. No, but they, but like they were so, they were also young. Cause I read, I saw something today or yesterday that says like, how old are the characters? And so like Anthony's 30. 
Yes. Oh, yes. Right. I saw this was also on BuzzFeed. I saw this too. Yeah, and so and so I don't. Yeah, and I was yesterday. So Anthony's thirty, and his dad died when he was like seventeen or eighteen. So mm-hmm. it's been a long time. And so like if Eloise is like if this is her debut season, she's what eighteen. Yeah. So Max. she was like six when Dad died. So like I think that's part of it is that they're you know they're they've seen their mother be heartbroken. And, like, don't necessarily... I think that's definitely part of it. Um, except so that doesn't why... explain Daphne's, like, ex- excitement about being part of it. Because she was very excited to be part of all of this. Totally. But she had memories of her mother and father, though. Yeah. And she was also, like, the oldest daughter. And there's that expectation yeah. of the eldest daughter. And I think maybe that's where Eloise is. Because she's not only not the oldest daughter. She's the fifth child in this family. And so, like... She's, I think she sort of assumes by the time, like, her older sister and her oldest brother are married, like, what difference does it make? Totally. And this is why I think that she and Benedict seem to have such kindred spirits with each other. Because yes. they are both the second of blank and also cannot seem to figure out what drives them. Like, mm-hmm. what they want what they're interested in like the and i understand that after having like such phenomenal examples to look up to but wouldn't you think like ugh, the pressure is off of me like i could literally Mm -hmm. do whatever and it's really of no consequence but they just agonize over it there's a lot of agonizing this season well that's what i mean it's all longing all the time and it's Mm -hmm. whether it's like that physical longing or that like sexual longing or longing for something better or different or something that you can't have yes but what about penelope doubling down and saying, no, I'm not giving up. I am here. I'm still going to write all this shit, regardless of, like, the actual damage I've seen it do around me and because of me. Especially to Eloise, which was a huge betrayal. And she should not have listened to Madame Delacroix about that. Mm-hmm. But I just, <laughs> I wasn't sure... It had that sort of triumphant ending where she, like, kept her identity secret in season one to season two with her saying, like, fucking pretty much, like, everybody pull up. I'm still here. Mm-hmm. Hiding in plain sight. Well, and I think the thing, I think the fact that it's, I think the fact that it is... Uh, Penelope as Whistledown like makes perfect sense right because she's nobody notices her mm-hmm. right like not a per- nobody notices her we get that little hint of the end of this one where like Colin sort of does but like it's also to prove a point um, about the new Lord Featherington which I will I, I want to talk about Lady Featherington in a minute because she fascinated me this season um, but like no one notices Penelope so it's very easy for her to just sort of like flit around all of these balls like un observed yep right and nobody pays attention to her she wears these dresses that don't flatter her yeah because her mother's trying to dress her like her sisters right and all this stuff and that's they one of the things also look that, awful on her sisters they do but one of the terrible taste one of the things that jill said is that because penelope like doesn't get married till she's a little bit older 
um, she finally starts to, like, dress, like, in the books that's described, she starts to dress and, like, wear things that are more flattering for her. Mm-hmm. And that's when people start to notice her. And that's when Colin finally is like, oh, shit, I should probably do something about this. Because, like, other men are paying attention to her, essentially. Oh, fucking Colin. Yeah. But anyway, uh, it's, I don't think it's quite that, like, formulaic. But yeah, like, Jill's like, she's, she starts to wear things that are more flattering. She's a little bit more confident. She's also a little bit older, so the pressure is off because the sisters are married and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Well, also, can we just, like, give her boobs a rest? Right? Oh. They are, like, at her chin in every dress. I'm like, come on. Yeah. That poor girl. It's got to be very uncomfortable. So uncomfortable. I mean, and you look at her mother and you're like, okay, well, obviously the two of you have this well-endowed thing in the family. But good Lord, I know Regency fashion emphasized a bust, but give me a break. Yeah. So I think it'll be interesting to see, like, what they end up doing with that little story arc. Because obviously, and I felt actually quite bad for Penelope at the end of everything because she and Eloise had this big fight. And the same day she overhears Colin just talking shit about her. Yeah, well, what uh, which, the fuck was up with that, Oh, Colin? it's because he's with his friends and boys are dumb and, like, whatever. But she, and I mean, obviously she's not meant to overhear it. It doesn't change the fact that he said it. She's obviously not meant to overhear it. And he has no idea that she's there. Because I'm sure if she was there, he wouldn't have actually said anything. But she hears that and she's just devastated. And I felt bad for her. Because, like, yeah, she fucked up with the whistle-down stuff. But, like, she didn't deserve that. But the whole point of the whistle-down stuff was not, I think, to be hateful. She saw seems like she saw you know similar to the riddler (laughs) (laughs) corrupt practices in her society and wants to shed a light on them blah 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 but it didn't seem like there was very much acid behind that pen no it seems like the tone at the end of the show was very acidic and that concerns me because i don't think she's that type of person and what she says to eloise was essentially like i tried to warn you and you deserved it and i was like what the fuck penelope eloise was right you hide behind everyone else you don't live your own life you don't take risks you don't do anything who is it for you to say what's right Mm mm-hmm so, oh, I think they were both very problematic this season. It was hard to sympathize with either of them, to be honest. Well, yeah, and because they're, like, they're very obvious, very obviously very close friends, right? And they're very obviously very tight. But that and... I don't even understand, because every time Penelope tries to talk to Eloise, Eloise just talks over her about how everything Penelope cares about is fucking stupid. Um, which, like, is Penelope just that desperate for friendship? Well, I think so, but also, like, think about the way that Penelope's treated by her family, right? Like, everything she says is dismissed at home. She's not, you know, she's not an important member of her family either. And so, um, you know, she's used to it, which is unfortunate. 
Um, but also I think at the end there, when she says what she says, I think that's where she finally realizes like how much like her mother she's become. Ugh! yikes. Yep. You know, and like, and that, and she, I, I honestly believe that Penelope's horrified by that fight. Um, because she says these things and I don't think she means to say them. Necessarily. But it's just so entrenched in her by what yeah. her mother does. Like you yeah. brought this upon yourself is so something mm-hmm. her mother would say. Well, and then, so then for her then to hear what Colin's saying, again, something that's not meant to be heard by the person that's being spoken about, right? Sort of, she gets a taste of her own medicine in that respect. How could Colin not say something along the lines of, Penelope has always been a dear friend of the family? Oh, because he's a dumb boy. Yeah, but he's also fucking trained in the goddamn tact of this high society well he is but also also so are all of his friends right and and penelope i think has been positioned as the like least desirable one of the least desirable women in the town right like just because of fucking more so than cressida calper Ugh. yeah but yes but i mean there's money there and there's you know uh, there's doesn't seem to be quite as much scheming um, in the same way that with the Featheringtons. But I think, like, Yikes. Penelope, she's the youngest of these three. Their mother, like, the fashions that they wear are obviously very reflective of, like, the personality that, that sort of everyone sees them as and that kind of stuff. And so I think <laughs> that, like... Yes, and, and they're sort of seen in so many ways. Like, last season, you know, before Lord Featherington dies, like, he's talked about as this sort of... Ruinous Are they like nouveau riche? I think so, right? Or at least they come across that way, and 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 they're sort of almost putting on airs. And I think that because Penelope's the youngest of this family, that she's not seen as um someone to be taken seriously necessarily. Right. And so I think when Colin is talking with his friends, who are all part of this same society, I would imagine that all of his friends they're not close friends with the Featheringtons, right? Or with Penelope or whatever. So they're just sort of, these are their assumptions well, no. from outside. Yeah, right? and so he's male, so there's no female Yeah, so he's, or no he's, he's just going to agree with them because that's the easy thing to do. And as much as he has been trained, like, in the tact and whatever, I, he's also been trained to A just sometimes boy. go, what, yes, but also just to kind of, like, go along to get along. Yeah, be and not cause a thing. Yeah. (sighs) Um, can we talk about Kate and Anthony? Because we haven't talked about that hardly at all. Fucking great, great casting. Loved everything about them. I enjoyed that Kate was a spinster. Um, it was wonderful and sort of all of her scheming and whatever. And I don't understand why these people have to scheme so much. Just like say what you mean and mean what you say, and things will probably work out. Well. Yeah, but that's what Anthony tries to do. <laughs> oh, I know, and it's just... Oh, it's like, I'm just gonna is... propose to your sister. I said I was gonna propose, so I'm gonna propose. Yeah. I said I was gonna get and married. And he tries. Let's get married. It's oh. the right thing to do. Like, that's the thing that's exhausting about Anthony, is he absolutely tries to do the right thing, and it's always wrong. <laughs> yeah. And, like, but, like, can you imagine being Edwina at your wedding? That's awful realization that your fiance is in love with your sister and vice versa like just 
horrifying. Even the queen's wig couldn't like keep those emotions in. Like it was just the it was queen's too wig much. almost snatched itself for fuck's sakes. <laughs> that was oh. the look that lasted a thousand years between the two of them. Yeah. Jesus Christ. But man, they had just such he she was just such a good match for him. Like mm-hmm. intellectually and like when they went hunting and she was mm-hmm. like, fuck it. No, that's not where the, no, this is how, not where we're going to find a deer. I'm going this way. And he's just like, oh, for the love of God. Or what I thought was such a good scene between the two of them because it really showed Anthony being vulnerable and also allowing her to take sort of a superior position between the two of them is when she gets stung by the bee. Mm-hmm. And it's so, like, Megan, it's so, it's so stupid their dad was killed by a bee. I know. <laughs> it's so stupid. But, but, I mean, it is really stupid, but then, like, to see him, how he reacts, and when you remember, like, when, you know, knowing yes. what you know, you're like, totally. like, all of a sudden he has this this moment of realization where, like, there's another person that he cares about who he could lose. Absolutely. And that's the thing. It could, It's not like it's just anybody. It's her. And yeah. he's terrified. Yeah. But it, it also shows you a lot about how scared he is overall. Yeah. Like, he's, he's terrified under all that sort of machismo and bluster that he has about duty and familial responsibility and paving the way and setting an example and ugh, yada 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 he's still that terrified boy in there and well, she has to tell him to, like I'm fine he wants to like you say he wants to do the right thing he wants to make the right choices he doesn't want he doesn't want to be judged for making the wrong decision, right? Because yes. he, I, because there's that, like, he understands the importance of reputation and all of those things. I don't think it's judged. I think it's the not, like, he couldn't live with himself. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, think about, you know, as soon as, as soon as in season one, as soon as he discovers, like, Daphne and Simon in the courtyard or whatever the hell, like, making out, and he's like, you will marry my sister. Like, there's, this is happening. Because he understands, like, that sort of expectation and so all of his choices that he makes are designed to make sure that there's no scandal Mm -hmm. ultimately and so and then he creates the biggest (laughs) scandal in history yeah jesus christ however the queen was so fucking choice at the end being like oh darling it was I who did not want the wedding to go through. <laughs> well, like, and you know, oh, the, the other... you're the best. <sighs> well, and she is, and I. But I also think, like, <sighs> I think she's she's an interesting character because she seems like she comes across so aloof and whatever. But I also think that, like, deep down, you know, I you know, she's. I mean, she's her husband is so Believe ill, in. yeah, and it's embarrassing for her. Yeah. That, that that's what he's become and I feel like some of her reaction to that is sort of like she's got the power to you know allow people some happiness totally but don't you find it interesting how everyone's in these very 
sort of to the T Regency outfits that are the opposite of say French aristocracy at the time so which are so elaborate so embroidered so over the top and yet the Regency fashions are like you know a a gentle A-line a low bust capped shoulder sleeves and yet the queen has a fucking six foot tall powdered wig (laughs) in every color under the fucking sky and it's just so strange for her to I feel align herself with that so differently from the rest of the court Mm -hmm. she's so fascinating love that character and lady denver is equally fascinating Um, yes and she like so like the queen is the puppeteer yes but lady denver is like the puppeteer's assistant because she has enough control and cachet in this entire society that like what she says kind of goes as well Mm-hmm. Um, and she's I find her very fascinating I loved loved oh my goodness loved the scene with um, Violet and Lady Danbury just like laughing yes and like just being like, actual human beings for a minute totally like being so it's that thing where something happened and it's so bad that you can't but find it funny <laughs> like yeah that, and like, you just keep laughing at it that like hysterical tension that comes over you i really loved violet this season she was so so good well she i think she was a much better she comes across as a much better like her relationship with anthony is very interesting um and i think that like when she she realizes and when daphne sort of realizes that like you know, Anthony has feelings for somebody. Yeah. That they're the fact that they're both encouraging him to like go for it. Totally. Is very interesting. Even though they both know that like it's your fiance's sister that you want to bone, but like go for it. And Definitely I find that a Duke. Who the fuck cares? You're yeah. Lord Bridgerton. Like yeah. yeah, like it's not a big deal. Um yeah, I found that really I just found that really interesting that they were both so very supportive of that like um of him doing that and making that choice and i mean for daphne obviously it's because she like she found the love that she wanted yeah and their mother obviously did too and knows what that's like well and i think it's because they've seen anthony be so 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 self-sacrificing and so self-punishing for no reason Mm -hmm. for so long like he's fucking 30 Mm -hmm. It's so gross that Eloise is 18 and she's debuting mm-hmm. at the ton looking for a husband and Anthony's doing the same and he's 30. Yep. Ugh. Yeah, it's gross. Don't. It's uncomfortable. Um, yeah, don't like that part. Try not to think about it too hard. Um, the other thing that like I thought was interesting about the whole makeup of the season was how we got to see a little bit more of interaction like between the brothers obviously because it's anthony's story 
Yeah. And I do like, like you said about Benedict, like he's sort of in this position where it's like, eh, it's not really all that important because like he is the second brother and et cetera, et cetera. But he, in a lot of ways, even though he's like just chaos personified, is like Anthony's like conscience. Totally. Reminds him of like what it's like to be a human being once in a while and that it's okay to have pursuits and passions and, and things like that. And like, you know, go figure some things out and make something of yourself. But didn't you feel so sad for him when he said to Eloise, I've only seen love in paintings? Oh, yes. Oh my God, that was sad. And Benedict is someone who I would say, I don't know, could fit very well in, like, a Moulin Rouge bohemian society. Mm-hmm. And yet, those, it seems like those environments exist all around him, and he ingratiates himself within them, and yet cannot find whatever he's looking for in them. And yet Mm -hmm. so desires. He's so, yeah, he's so bizarre. It'll be interesting to see what they do, like, with his story and how they, you know, sort of tell that. I think that'll be an interesting, an interesting thing. I also thought it was very interesting that Anthony spent seven episodes trying not to uh, do anything sexual with Kate. And then at the end of episode seven, he's like, yeah, fuck it. Um, But then, like. I mean, that, Wow. I know. In the garden, in front of God. (laughs) Yep. Yep. That was an incredible scene. Anthony, what a giving, giving lover. (laughs) Can you even? Well, and it's in, but it's in, I I, I had that same thought. It was interesting, though, he didn't, like, they didn't have sex, right? Because Mm -hmm. they're not married. And Mm -hmm. as much as, like, he couldn't, he couldn't, like, ultimately hold back anymore, he still there was still that, there's still that, like, air of respectability, I suppose. I know, um, and then he shows up with that horseshit, like, well, because of last night, of course I must. And I'm like, yeah. okay, you can calm down. Like, Is that your only reason you there, sir? Her, yeah, there, there's so many things I can teach you. I was like, oh, get out of here, Anthony. That's such a creepo thing to say. It is, but then when he proposes to her, like, if, or tells her that he loves her, and he says, I will humble myself before you, I was just like, oh, boy. Wow. Wow. Yeah. You know uh, how when Ragnarok came out and we said we wanted um, Kate Blanchett to walk over us in stiletto heels? Sure do. Yep. Anthony wants that from Kate. A hundred percent. Oh my god. Yeah, he absolutely 100% wants that from her all day, every day. Yeah, I quite enjoyed it. Megan, we've... We've, we've done got it. a problem. We've we got do a have problem. a problem. I think we're going to have to record another day for the last kingdom that's <laughs> probably fine an hour. <laughs> because we have a lot to talk about about the last kingdom i have many thoughts it's gonna be its own episode, it needs to be its own episode. no and i think that's fair i think i think that that's totally fair because <sighs> yeah it was a lot i haven't rewatched any of it yet surprisingly 
Um, I mean, why would you? We can't get into it now. But no, I know. But like, I you? well, because it was good, and you know, there were some there were some things that I enjoyed about it. Um. Anyway, I I'm trying to find out more stuff about the movie just because I want to know. Like, yeah, it, that would know. be interesting to know. Um. Oh, we had a question that you had asked, and we talked about it when I came down to visit you in Calgary, and then we were gonna address it on the podcast, and that was like a month ago. Um. This was a question that I don't know if you had asked it or whatever, but it was about rules, like little rules that we just break. Like what's the thing oh. that you do? And remember? Do you remember we were talking about that? And yeah, I, was thinking, I can't remember what my example was. I was thinking me? about it today when I left my house because my thing is I never put my seatbelt on when I'm like in a parking spot or in my garage. It's always like as I'm driving. Right. Fuck, I never I drive. Wish you would have texted me about this earlier. I would have time to think about it. I, I never drive without my seatbelt on. Ever. But I don't like, like not far, but like I'll back out of the driveway and I'll be like driving out of the complex and then I put my seatbelt on or like, and I don't know why that's just always been a thing that I've done. Right. Oh, I remember saying this question to you and having such a good example for it. And now I have no goddamn clue, Megan. Oh, this is heartbreaking. So it's like little rules that we break every day. That aren't like, they're not important and they're not really significant. It's just like, what's the thing that like you follow the rule mostly, but like, or you just kind of like, you know, like I know I have a friend who has a thing when they're crossing a street, they will always take their first step, which I think is dangerous before the walk light comes on. Oh boy. That's and not I'm like, good. That's a terrible idea. <laughs> You're going to die someday. Yeah. That's not, that's not a good one. These are like, what I was thinking was more like silly ones, like, uh, you know, opening the microwave before it's done. Yeah. Or, yeah, or like just, or stopping the microwave before, um, it gets before the time's up and then you don't clear it. Yeah. Yeah. Or leaving like three crackers in the box for future you to deal with. (laughs) And then it's like a disappointment when you go to open the crackers and there's only like three or four left and you're like, God damn it. Why didn't you just deal with this before? Yeah, you know what? What maybe this is just a bad habit, but I have been known to, and by known I mean known to myself because this is a pretty big secret. I have a bad habit of starting the washing machine at night, forgetting to move stuff into the dryer or to hang to dry afterwards and it'll mm. sit all night and become so gross and stinky and in the morning I'll just rewash it make it I'll just rewash it you know what I sometimes do that too um can it's I tell so you something bad. It's, it's not so bad. bad no you know what I read something really interesting on that vein about depression and yes justify chores. me i'm i am going to justify you no so i read something very interesting and it kind of reframed my way of thinking about like days when i don't feel like doing anything um and it was this person had gone you know and actually had gone to see their therapist and they were talking about you know some of their coping strategies for when things get really really bad and one mm-hmm. of the things that this person said is like i have a really hard time doing the dishes like I just don't want to do I can put them in the dishwasher and then I'll wash them and then I'll leave them and and then I don't want to unload the dishwasher when it's finished and the therapist is like so run the dishwasher again 
Yeah. And sort of, and this person's like, well, what do you mean? And she's, the therapist's like, well, just run it again. No one says that you only have to run it once. Run it again. Run it three times. Like, whatever. Wash them twice. Who cares? And then when you're ready, unload it. Yeah. Totally. And if you're not ready the first time, if it makes you feel bad that you have clean dishes in the dishwasher, just run it again. And then once they're done the second time, you'll feel like maybe you'll feel like doing it because it's present in your mind and then you'll unload it and things will be fine or just leave them and run them again. It's not the end of the world. And it yeah. got me thinking about like that sometimes we need to <laughs> just like, you know, do some of that every once in a while. Um, I do the thing with the laundry as well. I leave laundry all the time. Um, for like days, and I have this is, sheets, this I have sheets the in the dryer. They are dry. I don't want to leave it. I don't want to leave it. But you do it, but and it, that's okay. It just, it happens a bit more often than I would like. I mean, you have a baby. Yeah, this busy. was happening long before me, before I'm he showed up. trying to help you here, but uh, <laughs> you've got, but now you've got a baby. He, there's lots of things going on. He requires a lot of your energy and attention, mm-hmm. right? And it's hard to like... Sometimes it's hard to have that kind of time and find that kind of time. I get that. I can appreciate that. There are days I get home from work and I'm like, I got to empty the dishwasher. I got to take out the garbage. I have a box of recycling in my front hall that has been there since, I don't know, March 15th. I've been off for a week, spring break, and I still haven't taken it to the recycle. It'll get to there the garbage eventually. Hut? It's not gone to the garbage hut yet. It'll get there eventually. I'm okay with it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we just got to gotta let that let those things let not not make us judge our own self-worth based on how much how long we leave the laundry in the washer until it starts to smell mildewy and then maybe we gotta do something about it yeah then yeah cut yourself a slack until it becomes a health risk (laughs) yeah an actual problem yeah Um, and then something's gotta be done yeah and then yeah i think yeah then then i think it's fine um can we talk very briefly no (laughs) that's true we're not we are incapable of any of brevity in anything can we talk very briefly about how we as a society have defined the word trauma and how we are using the word trauma oh god you want to do this at the end of the podcast real quick and it's because i read something in regards to will smith slapping chris rock and somebody, okay. I don't want to like get into a whole thing because it's Amy Schumer and I don't really love her, but she said that she was traumatized by watching this thing happen live in front of her and she's going to take a month off from like working, whatever it is she does for work, um, to recover. And I'm like, I was, feel, did she say that in jest? No. Okay. So I feel like as a society... Our definition of trauma has shifted considerably. Totally. And I think that we misuse the word. Mm-hmm. I think that things happen that we that we see and that we experience and they can affect us in a variety of ways. But I don't think that any everything negative that you experience is necessarily trauma. Yeah, totally. I and think I, this also shows up as unnecessary censorship all the time i'll see things on like instagram that are text posts and people will censor out the i in kill Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'm like and how is that helping yes you still know it's the word (laughs) we don't have other words that are k blank ll 
It's true. It's true. Um, yeah. And so it was just one of those things that I read and I was just in one of my group chats. Someone was like, how was she traumatized? And someone was like, oh, well, sometimes, you know, she went to a friend, get hit and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I don't think, I mean, I'm, who am I to judge? But also like, I've seen friends get hit. I wasn't traumatized by it. Mm-hmm. And it was just one of those things. And it's in this weird, like celebrity bubble where things happen so weirdly that like it's very hard to be I think impartial about some of that stuff um and you're just like ah sure uh did Chris Rock step over the line by telling that joke maybe I don't know did Will Smith need to go up and hit him probably not um does it matter in the grand scheme of things no yeah I think it's also very problematic right now in terms of what's happening in Ukraine and, you know, the mass starvation of countless people in Yemen to be like, that was trauma. It's like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's, I think, and I think that's like part of the, I think that's part of the, the issue that I had with sort of that, like, whatever you can react to things. There's nothing wrong with that. I just, yeah. I just feel that that's like, a weird thing. Very, very strange thing. Um, I had a BuzzFeed quiz. One sec. I need to pull it up. Um, Super. No, we've done that one before. Okay, this is a least favorites. Oh, goodness. Okay. Okay, so least favorite foods, and it'll tell you something about yourself. It just kind of made me chuckle um, what some of the options were. Um, what's your least favorite type of cake? Banana bread, vanilla sponge, chocolate cake, red velvet. Banana bread. Bananas make me throw up. That's true. Least favorite way to eat potatoes. Oof. Fries, mashed, roasted, or hash browns. Wow. Least favorite ways to eat potatoes. And the hash browns they have here are like McDonald's hash browns. Oh, well that. Like the brick? Fuck off. Okay, what's your least favorite hot drink? Uh, Black tea, herbal tea, coffee, or hot chocolate? Coffee. How are we even friends? Uh, what's your least favorite root vegetable? Turnips, carrots, beetroot, or parsnips? Beet. Oh, I love beets. Uh, what's your least favorite condiment? Mayonnaise, ketchup, hot sauce, or mustard? Mayo. <laughs> Good. Only correct answer. Um, what's your least favorite berry? Blackberry, blueberry, raspberry, strawberry? Mm, blackberry. What's your least favorite pizza topping? Mushrooms, pineapple, pepperoni, bacon. Pineapple. Least favorite ice cream flavor: mint chocolate chip, chocolate vanilla, or mint strawberry. chocolate chip. <laughs> what do people like most about you? This is the reveal: your genuine nature. To put it bluntly, you're not one to bullshit. You're straightforward, and people can rely on you for your honesty. There's no pretense with you, and you rarely have ulterior motives for the things you say or do. I think that's pretty accurate. I mean, I think that's pretty fucking accurate. What it did is? you get? I got the same thing, but my guesses, my answers were different. I think these quizzes are. I think there's only one option, maybe two. I don't ever think there's more than. Um, I don't think there's ever more than two. Um, the other thing that I wanted to talk about was that dumb quiz that you sent me was like, what's your old timey criminal name? And I don't care about the quiz. It's unimportant. Who the fuck eats beans for a snack? (laughs) I was so angry about that choice. I was just like, absolutely no, this is not happening. And what I didn't understand is it felt like it was one of those choices that was so hardlined to a specific result. Mm-hmm. 
And I could, for the life of me, not figure out what the result of that choice could be. Um, yeah, so I'm just, I pulled up the quiz again. And I'm not going to do it all because I don't care. But pick a snack. Here are the options. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Orange, licorice, cotton candy, beans, beef jerky, and nuts. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Bee- and isn't it just a picture of dried beans? There, no, there's no. Or is it just on the one. words? It's just the words. So okay, an orange could it be a snack? Sure. Would it be like my first choice? No, licorice. Eh, sure. Cotton candy. Who just has cotton candy lying Nobody around? Nobody has cotton candy unless you live in a fucking zoo, right? Uh, beef jerky is, can be a snack. Sure, fine. I guess nuts can be a snack. I guess whatever. But who would choose of all of those things? Who's gonna say beans? I mean, it's and who insane. eats beans for a snack? How are there not? any potatoes on that list right chips fries i don't know how pretzels not on there crackers cookies like there's so many things popcorn ice cream like what the fuck like i don't there are so many things that could be snacks uh beans like and i can't i can't like my mind when i think about it goes between two things are we just like eating dry beans like you know is is it did you think that it was nuts but it's beans or like did you cook the beans is it like baked beans i had so many questions and it was really see i i think it's like beans on toast like english breakfast well then say beans on toast yeah it's it's absurd it's insane it's a bad quiz however the name that i got was fucking hysterical it was very funny because we got the same thing um and I just ran through this quiz really quick. I got a different name this time. Oh. Uh, I don't even know what anything that I picked. I did not pick beans as a snack. Uh, and my name is Crispin Hortons Grimwald. <laughs> it's a terrible name. Is there a, like, show more results or whatever at the end? No. Damn it. No, can't see more, which is unfortunate. Um, but yeah, it, I was just, like, aggravated by beans as a snack. Yeah, that's... <sighs> not That's a absurd. snack it's absurd it's totally 100 percent. the names that we got were the name we both got was pinky archibald garfield yes thank you archibald garfield is so good yeah but yeah oh, beans i was so mad anyway <laughs> i feel like we should end it right there and we'll do a last kingdom one sometime soon ish yes i am available next weekend i mostly am too great excellent and then someday maybe we'll uh, watch super troopers and uh, talk about it as we watch because uh that's a great movie it's a great movie um well that's all we have for <laughs> this two month period uh, <laughs> uh you can find us on the internet in different places just look up garbage fire podcast that's fine uh you can send us an email uh, you can go on our twitter we'd never check it i always forget that we haven't um, and then I go on and there's notifications from like months ago. I'm like, oh, I should have probably dealt with that. Um, oh, yeah, there's going to be a juicy Instagram meme for this episode, though. Excellent. Oh, uh, yeah, so you can find us um, all over the place on the internet at Garbage Fire Podcast. Um, and as always, thanks so much for listening. And we'll see you in the dumpster. <laughs>